Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is the lovely podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. This is episode 20. And today we're going to briefly go over the United Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners of America. I'm not going to read all of this like I normally do because it is very wordy. It's very choppy. So I'm just going to give you the gist of it. because it kind of has a very interesting and concerning history. Um it was founded in 1881. They have locations in the United States and Canada. They have 445,870 members as of 2016. Their current president is Douglas J. McCarran. They have affiliations with the CLC. And this union was formed or started by Peter J. McGuire and Gustav Lube Kurt. and it is it has become one of the largest trade unions in the United States and what's interesting about this union is that it was very much anti-black so we have to remember that this was founded um more so dealing with the south and um there were some people in this union that did not want blacks to be in this union there were others that did but unfortunately This particular union um had a lot of problems with that but I think it's gotten better over the years because Jim Crow laws were I think they were pretty much discontinued in the 1960s or 70s I don't have a definitive date on that but they were very much against black carpenters being a part of their union and I don't think they wanted blacks to have labor like that they didn't want competition which is kind of ridiculous because labor is labor it doesn't matter what your skin color is. Um however, this union it did have um a African American carpenter who was a vice president for some years and he was from Charleston, South Carolina. And however, even though he served as vice president, there were still some people that did not want blacks in the union and they segregated those locals based on that. and that caused a lot of problems i can i completely understand why it would cause problems um because it's not right to think that way or to treat people that way and also the union faced fierce pressures from outside the union um from the KKK which is also known as the Ku Klux Klan they um did not want this union to have blacks in it which is dumb because you know African Americans they need labor as well and they should be able to join a union without hindrance doesn't matter what the reason supposedly is skin color is not a valid reason to kick somebody out or to prevent them from joining now this particular union had a lot of problems and i hope that it doesn't have these problems anymore but from the history that i read um it take a big dip during the great depression because during the great depression there were lots of job losses especially in the construction industry. So I'm not surprised by that, but what is not good about this union is that they have a lot of challenges with union and non-union contractors and so what this union tried to do is it tried to make it so that if you were a non-union contractor, they did not like you and they did not want you uh how were this they didn't want you having work because they viewed that if you were doing that kind of labor as a carpenter that you were in fact stealing their contracts and stealing their labor even though you are not and this union also got in trouble for jurisdictional takeovers i would say they were trying to take over different unions members 
because they didn't want competition. So that's one thing that concerns me with this union is that they are very much anti-freedom. They are anti-free market. They are anti-capitalism. They think that they should run everything if it deals with wood. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. It's ridiculous. Like, they don't understand that the consumer is the one that decides who has the job, not the union. And so this really concerned me. And, you know, there were many people that left their union and they disaffiliated because they didn't like how this union was operating. And what was not good about this union is they created these jurisdictions. So if you were in a union, if you were in this union, and you wanted to do a job that was outside your jurisdiction let's say you know a uh, a consumer approached you and said hey i would like you to have this contract you know can you please build me you know the frame of my house well if it was outside of your jurisdiction and you're in this union you could not accept that contract based on what your union laws and bylaws were saying so you were restricted in your employment well then that led to some hatred towards non-union members which is stupid because labor is labor it doesn't matter whether you are unionized or not unionized work is work so they had all these tips and then this union tried to take over other unions as well not just non not just non-contractors or non-union members but they wanted to take over other unions so that way they could dictate who gets what job and who doesn't get what job. So they were manipulating the job market. It doesn't use the words job manipulation, but that's what it is. So this union does not have a very good track record. Um they were affiliated with AFL-CIO and then they get disaffiliated and then they get affiliated with I think the CIO. There's another one that I was affiliated with, but it just kind of rang a bell of now i understand why unions go from being affiliated to being disaffiliated with these big honcho people because they're basically trying to control a job market but yet they are not the ones who created that job market it was the employer who created the job market because it's the employer that creates jobs not the union the union's responsibility really is to help with an 8-hour workday, have safe working conditions and a safe working environment and also have reasonable pay, not unreasonable. Unlike the auto workers union which was completely unreasonable, they were expecting to get what a doctor would be paid, but yet they've never been to medical school. So, um unions do have their place in a way. I just don't think they are as much needed now as they were back in these days. But what is concerning is that some of their members were socialists and or communists and or fascists and one of the founders was a socialist and I find that very it was uh Peter Maguire that was a socialist and I'm not surprised this union has had problems because when you're founded by someone that's a socialist they don't honor democracy they don't believe in capitalism but yet they love money socialists communists fascists they love money just as anybody else although they just try and steal it they find one way or another to move monies around but yet they think their labor is more important than everybody else's even though it's not so that's what concerns me here and and this union it really tried to manipulate other unions and they tried to say well if you're dealing with any kind of wood or lumber or if you're dealing with anything to deal with construction then you need to be under our union and they tried to make it so that legally and federally that if you were a worker in that type of industry that you had no choice 
but to go to this union even if you didn't want to be a part of it they were trying to make it so that you were forced to be in it and that you had to go through them otherwise you could not have that kind of work which is very controlling and manipulating and i don't agree with it at all i find it very disturbing that this union thought it could behave that way and so i'm kind of surprised that there even still a union and if you hear me rustling around i have a cramp in my left foot i exercise for a little over an hour last night. I did um high intensity interval training, hit training and I also did uh toning. So um I don't know why I'm having a cramp in my left foot, but it it really hurts. Um but anyway, so um this union, I'm a little disappointed in it because I think it's too aggressive. Um I can see why there have been problems. I can see why their numbers have dropped. If anything I'm surprised as to why their numbers have increased because they did lose quite a few members during the Great Depression and they lost members due to trying to take over other unions that these other unions did not want to be a part of their union. However, this union tried to make it so that they were forced to be in the same union and these other unions were their mine workers or lumber workers whatever the case may be they even if they were forced to be in this union they eventually separated and formed their own coalition and I don't blame them for that because that would be like you being forced to be in a sorority or you're forced to be in a fraternity one that you don't want to be in because that's basically what it is like you're you're forcing someone to be a part of your organization and they don't want to be there and they they may not agree with what you think what you say and what you do so here's the thing If you if the only way you can get members in your organization whether it's a union or any other type of organization if the only way you can get someone to be a part of your organization is to force them and to manipulate them then you can take it to the bank at the first chance they get to leave you they will leave you. So then they're not really members they're really just hostages hostages as I was going to say. So it's really not appropriate to behave that way so I'm very disappointed in this union. And if anything, there are some sources listed here from the bibliography that I think would be a very interesting read some of these books. One of them is With Our Hands, The Story of Carpenters in Massachusetts that was written by Mark Ehrlich. It came out in 1986. The next one that's kind of interesting, it says The United Brotherhood of Carpenters, The First 100 Years. Um uh, this was written by Walter Gallison that came out in 1983. The next one I really want to read this book. It sounds really cool. Is Organize or Die: Smash Boss Unionism, Build Union Power. It was published in 1970 and is written by Clyde Johnson. That one sounds really interesting to read because I kind of feel like that's how some unions operate. It's like you either join us or die. They have that extreme mindset that's not appropriate for business. It's like it's either my way or the highway. That's not how labor works. That's not rational. That's not normal. That's that's not that's not how you get members and that certainly is not how you should treat somebody. So, I think it's very interesting that that is how some of these people operate and just that title organize or die. That's kind of how this union operated. This um carpenters uh, union. It it's it's kind of aggressive. and reacts to stuff in a really weird way. And I'm kind of disappointed because this union goes back to 1881 and I usually love unions that go back that far because it shows their stability. 
But to be blunt, I don't know how they're still a union considering the problems that they've had and their behavior problems. And also what does concern me as well is that their symbol reminds me of the Masons. And as previously stated in another podcast, a previous podcast, anything to do with the Masons concerns me greatly because the Masons um they that particular group is a cult. Um it has very weird cult-like um rules, regulations, handshakes, um passwords, things like that. So whenever I see a symbol that's very sim- similar to that, it always concerns me because usually if they're trying to operate like that, then you've got some problems. So I'm not surprised that this union was anti-black. If it was thinking in the same way or along the same lines of the Masons, because the Masons were anti-black, they were also anti-women as well. But you know, it, you have to be careful what you're founded on. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Because if you affiliate yourself with an organization that's anti this, anti that, and it's stuff that's that you shouldn't even really be anti against it, then you're taking a huge risk of founding your organization on very much incorrect. and kind of a uh, dishonorable traditions. And that's uh kind of how the masons operate. And so that that concerns me quite a bit. And I'll I'll give a little story here, something that happened to me in regards to the masons. There was one job I had where um I w- I was working in an office and there was this uh guy, well o- older gentleman, that him and his family moved to Oklahoma. They moved from another state. and he was kind of different. He was kind of intense. He was a a veteran. He had previously worked in the Marines. I was like he should not be working in an office environment. He he doesn't have the the mentality to do that. He's very intense. And so whenever there was a meeting with him in it, it was always weird and no one really liked working with him. It was sad because he was actually really good at his job. It was just his temperament, his temperament and his personality that were the problem. And so but anyway, I got to know him a little bit and he was really knowledgeable. He could act, he could actually be really funny, but he could just be really abrasive really quick. And it's like, you know, you can take someone out of the Marines, but you can't take the Marine out of the soldier. That that's just how it is. They go hand in hand for long periods of time. But anyway, this guy, him and his family um were Catholic. However, he was not allowed to take communion because he was in the Masons. And I did not know this. First of all, I didn't know a Catholic would ever be a Mason. I think that's very weird. And secondly, I didn't know the Catholic Church if you are an active member in the Masons lodge, you are forbidden from taking communion because the Masons is seen as a cult by the Catholic Church. And I did not know that. So he taught me something new about the Catholic Church I had no clue about. and he was really irritated about. It. I was like, "Well, why are you part of a cult?" I was like, and I didn't tell him all my, you know, backstory of dealing with the Masons in the past or anything, but I was like, "Why are you a part of something that the church is against? You know, the Masons they have a lot of problems within the organization." He just said, "Well, we do a lot of charity work. You know, we're the Shriners." I was like, "Yeah, I know that, but that doesn't excuse what kind of organization they are." If you have multiple people telling you that you're involved in a cult, why aren't you leaving that cult? Like if you I can't remember if you had a daughter or not, but I said, let's say for example, your daughter is 18, 19 years old and she's dating a guy that's in a cult. Would you be okay if she married him? And he said, "No." I was like, "Then why are you still in a cult?" Cuz technically your wife is married to someone that is actively participating in a cult and that person is you. That's a problem. He didn't like me saying that. I could care less, but it's the truth. 
And he was just angry that he couldn't take communion in the Catholic Church. I was like, then leave the cult. You know, the Catholic Church, I mean, I don't agree with everything the Catholic Church says and does, but there are things that it is correct in. Because I think any church, any Christian denomination would tell you, hey, you should not be a part of a cult. It doesn't matter if they're raising money for cancer research or kids or a hospital. Like, that doesn't excuse what they do. That doesn't make it okay how their organization operates and things like that. And um, needless to say, our conversations were a little different going forward. But, I mean... He, he's just one of these bullheaded ex-Marine veterans that is just, you know, he treats everything like he's still in the military. I'm like, that is such a problem. I'm not saying that all veterans from the military are, are um, difficult to work with, but when they come from the Marines, they typically are very difficult to work with because I think the longer they are in the Marine or in the Marine Corps, the more difficult it is to get them to be calm. And that's because of their military training. It's not 100% their fault. It's just that, you know, the longer you do that kind of job, the better you're going to be at it. And I don't think you should go, I don't think anyone should go from a Marine military background into an office situation. Because office people are very mellow. We're not used to intensity stuff. And he was always raising his voice really, really loud, like just randomly, like yelling. And it's just like, dude, we can't take that. You know, you've got to bump it down a notch because that's just not cool. So a lot of people did not like going to his meetings. Like if they could skip them, they would. They didn't like how he talked about uh, Christian faith because he didn't really, you know, he would say he's Catholic. But, you know, I think that's kind of hypocritical and a lie to say you're Catholic when he really wasn't Catholic. Because even though he had been practicing the Catholic faith, He was also trying to practice this cult-like organization. And it's like if the Catholic Church says, no, you can't be a part of that, or if you can't take communion because you're a part of this cult, then technically you're not a practicing Catholic. Because when you say you're a practicing Catholic, that means that you are honoring all the rules and regulations that the Catholic Church believes in. And if you don't honor all of those, then technically you are not a practicing Catholic and you're not in communion with the Catholic Church. It's almost like if you say you're Baptist, but yet you don't follow everything that they say, but yet you're trying to promote yourself as a Baptist. But it's like you still want to live this alternative lifestyle, whatever that alternative life, lifestyle is. I think it makes it very difficult for someone to be legitimate in that organization. So I think it's one of those things you're either all in or you're all out. I mean... But see, here's the thing. He was all in when it comes to the Masons and his organization um, that he was a part of. But when it came to the Catholic Church, he kind of reminds me of what they call ca uh, cafeteria Catholics. Cafeteria Catholics, in case you are not aware of this term, it's where someone claims to be Catholic, but they only pick certain pieces that they actually want to do or that they believe in or that they might try at it. You know, let's say, for example... They believe the Pope is the one true shepherd of the church, but yet they think it's okay to have premarital sex. Well, obviously, you're not a practicing Catholic if you're having sex outside of wedlock, if you're having sex outside of marriage, whether it's when you're single or when you're married and you're having an affair. So it's one of those things, you know, there are so many cafeteria Catholics, it's, it's very disturbing because, you know, there are a lot of Catholics um, that vote in elections and things like that. 
And what people don't realize is that a lot of Catholics are Democrats, and a lot of them believe in abortion. So it's kind of like, you know, I don't get how anyone could be Catholic and say that they are for abortion because the Catholic Church is completely against abortion. So, if, you know, that, that's another cafeteria Catholic, and I know that's off topic, but it, it's the same thing with this guy. Like, he was basically a cafeteria Catholic. There were certain things that he wanted to do, but it's kind of a selfish lifestyle if you're, if you have, how do I word this, if you have a foot in two countries, if you know what I mean. Like, you say you're Catholic over here, but yet you're Mason over here. But really, he was more Mason than he was Catholic. And that was really what um, really turned off a lot of people was that he was just kind of like, well, this is, you know, the men's club. You know, we have uh, pancake cookouts. We donate blood. I was like, yeah, but you're still part of a cult. That's why people don't want to be around you. They don't want to hear about all this so-called good stuff that you do because when you're a part of a bad organization, or an organization that kind of has some problems, then it doesn't matter how many good works you do, it doesn't excuse the other stuff. Especially, you know, when they're anti-black, anti-women, anti-this, anti-that. I mean, you kind of have to you have to look at everything. You can't just cherry pick, and that's kind of what was going on there. But anyway, um I I digress on that, but um that is basically it with this union um that I found on it. It's kind of short and sweet with this lovely podcast. But I didn't want to read through the entire article because it was so it was so choppy and um parts of it were not written very well. And it's like, you know, if I would want to hear or read this, I'm not going to do that to my readers or my, my listeners. I'm not going to do that to someone. So if it doesn't meet um the Leslie test as I call it if it's something that I wouldn't do or want I'm not going to push that onto somebody else um but I will say this it's very interesting to learn about all these different unions and also when you when you look at their emblem I want to I want to mention this as well you know a lot of times when organizations are founded they want to come out with a symbol or an emblem and I agree with that they should because it helps bring about unity but what I find very interesting is what they put in their emblem and their symbols like what are they saying that they represent because that means a lot and it really tells you a lot about the organization so if an organization is reminding you of something else and it's not good then you might want to look into that and and go okay are they really saying that they're this way but they're not you know what is their true intention because this particular union I don't think it was founded in on the in the best of intentions Cuz I think when you have a socialist involved, you're going to have problems big time. And if anything slightly resembles the Masons, especially back from that time frame, you are going to have problems. And I think they realized that um because especially in the South, they were not a fan of African Americans even though the South lost the Civil War, they still had Jim Crow laws almost for 100 years after the Civil War. So, and they still were fighting that for some time. But anyway, um that is it for today's um podcast. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to send me a message either directly from my podcast website or you can email me directly at yourlaborlaws@gmail.com. And again, that's yourlaborlaws@gmail.com. So, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole and that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
the small and fragile sphere Hang on every word, yet no one hears us speak So it's only left to ask Is change too great a task? From the smallest depths, waves transform the earth 